Welcome, Smarties, to Learn Smarter. If you are new here, we welcome you. We invite you to go to our website, www.learnsmarterpodcast.com, and join our email list where we share behind-the-scenes stories, freebies, and more. If you've been a longtime Smarty, we want to thank you. It means so much to us that you choose to hang out with us once a week, and we don't take that time with you for granted. If you haven't already, be sure to introduce yourself to us. There are so many ways to do that. Shoot us an email at rachelandstuff at learnsmarterpodcast.com. Join our Facebook group. Go on Instagram. All the things. Today's episode is a two-parter. Today, we're going to talk about understanding rigid kids. We'll chat about why it happens and what it looks like. We'll also share what those working with rigid kids need to remember. Next week, we're going to dig even deeper into rigid kids and talk about some of the strategies that have worked for us in the past. Be sure to tune into next week's episode to hear all that good stuff. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 82 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. Steph, today we're talking about understanding kids who are rigid. Yeah. And this is something that can really not be highlighted within the student when a parent calls us. So we talk to all parents before they come into our practices. And oftentimes, this is a question that we have to ask, because parents don't necessarily conceive of it when they are thinking about, quote unquote, the problem Mm -hmm. that they're calling us about. Yeah. But there's a lot of ways that we can tell. Yes. And they'll use trigger words for us, comfort zone, which we're going to talk about, or they'll talk about meltdowns, or they'll talk about anxiety, school refusal. And it begs the question, how flexible is your kid? Mm-hmm. And it begs the question, how flexible are you guys as a family? Yeah. And let's highlight why that's important. Okay. Because... Being flexible, and we're not just talking about the physical flexibility, guys, but (laughs) the mental flexibility and emotional flexibility. You know, we talk about this with growth mindset, Mm -hmm. but it's really important in transition times, and that could be from subject to subject if you're an elementary school student. It could be middle school when you're going from class to class, teacher to teacher. It could also be where you start something And it doesn't go exactly as planned, and you have to readjust and shift. It's not going to look exactly what you thought it was going to look like. And having the flexibility to change directions can be hard for a lot of students. We, as business owners, model flexibility a lot in our practices Mm -hmm. because we have to be responsive, reactive, proactive about kind of what's happening on the business side. Mm -hmm. And... It's just an interesting exercise and I'm kind of thinking about how flexible am I really? And I'm flexible in certain areas, right? Yeah. You're laughing. Why are you laughing? Because it's true. In certain areas, you're flexible. In certain areas, you're not flexible at all. But I'll say it too. (laughs) For sure. And I'm a little too flexible. Right. And so it's this balance. And I'm also aware of that. And I don't want to railroad. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I'll that. force you to make decisions sometimes. <laughs> Steph, where are we going to go to lunch? I don't care, wherever you want, Rach. No, 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 you decide. 
Because you know the three things that I'll be willing to eat in this area. Inevitably, we just choose CCC, guys. Right. (laughs) I'm thinking about getting CCC for lunch. Oh, if only they'd come to the South Bay. California Chicken Cafe. We've asked you before. (laughs) Please. Steph needs you within walking distance from her office. What's your office address? (laughs) Steph, let the people know. In the 1200 block of Aviation Boulevard, please. I mean, it would do really well in the South Bay. I don't know why they're not down there. I agree. (laughs) So that was a little side note. (laughs) Anyway, so flexibility. Let's talk about why it happens. So we all have our zones where we're comfortable. And this is true for all people, for everyone, for teachers and for learners, for families. Within every sort of social group, there is a zone of comfort. And then there's the outer zone of discomfort. Mm -hmm. And some people respond to being forced into that outer zone of discomfort with great flexibility. Mm -hmm. Some people react by digging in even further. Yep. So acknowledging the comfort zone of your learner is really critical, especially in the beginning part as you're building report, because you want to establish why you're here. You want to honor the fact that it's vulnerable Mm-hmm. to be an educational therapy and then you want to make it clear where you're going yeah and i often talk about what's a stretch for them right and what that stretch will look like and what that stretch can do for them if they're willing and ready right because they're not always willing and ready that's one of the reasons that we bring up rigidity and flexibility with parents. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something we'll probably dig more into next week. Yeah. But if your learner is more rigid, it's going to take longer. Yeah, for sure. The other stuff that comes into play is personality and genetics. Mm-hmm. So some people are just naturally more flexible. And you know, as you're listening to this, if your kid is that person or not, or if you are that person or your significant other is that person or not. Right. And like Rachel said, sometimes it's in some areas and sometimes it's not in others. Just depends. You know, it's not all learned stuff. So we need to remember that, that some of it is literally genetics. Rigidity can also emerge in certain academic areas where the learner may be less comfortable. So familiarity with something. This is why we talk about priming a lot, mm-hmm. pre-teaching material, so that students have a level of familiarity with vocabulary. And going along with familiarity, this just sort of goes hand in hand. There's also anxiety about mistakes, right? So oftentimes, anxiety doesn't necessarily look like anxiety. I've had parents say it looks like their child feeling like a brat or ungrateful. And really, when you get down to it, it's really about anxiety. And they become more rigid. And their behavior goes out the window because they're scared. Yep. That's reason number five, the fear. Mm -hmm. And then another reason that rigidity can really emerge is the learning profile. Mm -hmm. Certain learning profiles, like autism spectrum disorder or oppositional defiant disorder, lend itself to more rigid kids. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be all the time in every circumstance. And I was talking to a parent the other day about rigidity when I saw it and sort of breaking down where the rigidity is coming from and why it's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if your child has a diagnosis, that could be the underlying cause, but it also might not be. Right. So really getting down to what 
is the rigidity coming from and understanding it and helping give language to your student is super important. So what does it look like in a student when you have a rigid kid? What does it look like for you, Steph? Meltdowns, the crying for homework. Inability to move on. Yep. They get stuck. They do. They get stuck and they just can't do anything else. And oftentimes they'll be crying or sometimes there's anger. I have a client who a couple weeks ago was angry, shockingly angry about an assignment that he had, but the assignment was really difficult. Mm. And I kept saying, there is no way around this, but through this. Yeah. And it's going to challenge you. But also the expectations that he had for accomplishing the task were not reasonable. Mm -hmm. So it led to a standoff. That was our session. Yeah. But you know what? He was going to have to go down that path anyway because that's how he does things. Yeah. And he was able to move on at home on his own, which is great. Oh, that's good. I would rather him melt down in the office than with his parents. For sure, because we're not emotionally attached the way a parent would be. I did go have a drink after, though. Fair. Yeah. It happens. It happens. (laughs) Yeah. What's the next thing it looks like? So it's avoidance. Mm -hmm. And we all have had learners or kids or adults in our lives who avoid the things that are difficult or they don't like to do. And so avoidance can be a real sign that your learner is feeling rigid about something. And that's how they express it. Yeah. I mean, we avoid stuff as adults. I mean, we're avoiding a task that I don't want to do by recording these episodes today. We'd planned to do something else today, Steph. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we were planning on doing something else. We're avoiding that. I avoid taxes. Like, I don't want to do it. You know, when I sit down and I'm like, okay, I'm finally going to do it, but I put it off as long as possible. What do you have to do for taxes? Last year, I had to do the Schedule C, and that was horrible. Did you file your own taxes? No, but I had to get all this stuff together, and it was miserable, but this last year wasn't so bad. This year is going to be easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... When it was a Schedule C, that was rough. Remind me what a Schedule C is? Off the air. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to collect all this tax paperwork. And I'm like, what did I have this year versus this next year? Having a business is complicated, you guys. It is complicated. Yeah. All right. Steph, what else does it look like in session? Well, so the avoidance goes with not wanting to do the homework. Mm-hmm. Not wanting to do the homework can look like a couple of things, right? I have kids who pretend that they didn't know they had the assignment. Oh, yeah. I have kids that don't turn it in. Uh Uh-huh. Or I have kids that do it and then lose it. This is not purely I don't want to do my homework. I just want to put it out there that kids are really clever and they come up with a lot of ways to avoid doing homework. This is a quote, you guys. My teacher doesn't want me to do it that way. Oh, that's my favorite. Here's what your teacher wants you to do. (laughs) The assignment. That's what your teacher wants. Yeah. The assignment completed. Yeah. So sometimes when you have a rigid kid, now this can also be misconstrued because an obedient kid will also say that. Like a pleasing kid, a kid who really wants to please will also say that. Yeah. But we have to remind kids of the larger picture. And sometimes, especially when you have like a younger kid and the teacher is so powerful in elementary school, Mm -hmm. a kid will say, no, 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 my teacher said we have to do it this way. And so that's when our relationship that we build with teachers can be really powerful. But we also, we're all the center of our own universes. What I mean by that is that we're all thinking that everybody is thinking about us all the time. 
I guarantee you, your teacher is not thinking about certain things. Was it a suggestion or were you told you had to? Yeah, yeah. And oftentimes they can't differentiate, especially when they're younger. But mm-hmm. I've literally in the middle of session emailed a teacher yep, and said, here's what's happening. I'm making the executive decision if I have the relationship with that teacher. Right. I'm making the executive decision that this is what needs to happen. And if we need to do it a different way going forward, let's discuss how to make this a little bit easier for the child. I mean, sometimes just saying you'll take the blame. Oh, I do that all the time. Super helpful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My mother used to do that all the time. It's extremely helpful. They can be mad at me. Yep. And then sometimes they'll move on. So my dad used to do that, too. You don't want to do that? Just tell them your dad says no. (laughs) Totally. It can also look like fighting with adults. And it can be over anything, guys. I just want to make that clear that this is not necessarily just about homework. This is about not wanting to do a chore or not wanting to set the table or not wanting to go to bed at a certain time or not wanting to go to that party or do that thing. It doesn't matter what it is. The important thing is knowing that it's not just academically that this rigidity can show up. So any type of fighting, usually, as we talk about, kids inherently want to please, especially the younger ones. So fighting with adults, usually there's a reason behind it. Mm Mm-hmm. Rigidity can look like cheating in a game because they can't handle losing. Yeah. Or that's not the way you play that. Mm-hmm. Or that's not the way you do that. Or that's not the way, you know, my mom does it or, you know, whatever. One of my team members is filling in for somebody else. And the kid, the entire session said, that's not the way Miss Allison does it. <laughs> So that's some rigidity, right? That's the comfort zone thing. He got used to the way Allison did something. Yep. Hi, Allison. (laughs) And we'll get into some strategies for that next week. But just putting it out there that that's what it looks like. So there's a couple things that we want everybody to remember when you're working with rigid kids. The first is that we want everyone to understand that working on rigidity And increasing flexibility sometimes has to be the entire overarching goal. No significant academic changes can actually happen when the pervasive personality of the learner is rigid. Mm -hmm. This is when it becomes really important, especially in our roles as educational therapists, to help parents understand this. Parents are coming because they want to see academic improvement. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why they're coming to our practice. But if the learner that they're bringing is rigid, that will get in the way of every strategy, tool, approach, idea that you offer up to help the academics. Mm -hmm. So understanding that, having that conversation with parents is really, really critical. And honestly, having that conversation with the learner. Yeah. And this can take months, you guys. Yes. Months. And, you know, it looks like the kid that doesn't want to come to session, but then all of a sudden is okay coming to session. Exactly. Because we're pushing them. If you've had the chance to listen to episode 73, which is called A Parenting Evolution with Karen, it's part of our student success series. You heard her in that episode talk about this, about how rigidity is the predominant thing that they are working on, that staff and her daughter are working on. 
And we'll link that episode in the show notes, obviously. The other thing that you need to remember is dealing with rigidity is one of the hardest things to address because it takes so long to break through the shell. But we just want you guys to remember, patience is key. And when you have the patience, especially when a child is melting down and they see it's a safe space, they start to trust you more. Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, you already inherently have that trust. But letting them work through it is teaching them how to hold themselves up, like we always talk about. So Mm -hmm. having them understand and work through it, what they're feeling and what's going on, is really going to help later on. Because rigidity doesn't look the same for every kid and everything. Mm -hmm. So just think about your student or your learner or whomever you're working with, or if it's your child, where they're rigid. And sometimes knowing and understanding what you're rigid about, even if you're not ready to be flexible about it, is going to be a game changer for them as they get older. Absolutely. You know, Steph, we said there were two things, but as you were talking, I thought of a third, Mm. which is something else that I want people to remember, which is knowing your own bandwidth. Mm -hmm. If you are an educational therapist or you have the luxury of being able to select the clients that you work with, if you have more than one or two rigid kids on a certain day and you're hearing that call come in and it's going to be a third, think about yourself mm-hmm. before accepting the client. Yeah. I know today my 3.30 and my 4.30, I don't know how this happened in my schedule, guys, but they are two of the most rigid kids that I have all week. So I just have to dig in and take a deep breath and make sure that I reset in between because it's not fair to go into the second one with no bandwidth. Yeah, it's so true. I usually go and take a walk in between and I might actually change my schedule because it might be too much for me. But remembering your own bandwidth that it is an honor to get to work with a population that we work with, but we don't have to work with every single client if it's not going to be good for your heart and your soul and your own patience well. Yeah. And if you're a teacher or a parent and you don't have that luxury, just do what you can when you can. Be patient with yourself as well. Mm -hmm. We want to be patient with the rigid kid and then we want to be patient with ourselves yeah for sure agreed so next week we're going to dig into some strategies to help with those types of learners so make sure you listen we'll see you next week smarties have a great week have a great week